0: I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.
1: Like Chat with Maria McCann.
0: One of the things apparently that this guy's sister said was that he was upset that, uh, that uh, the recent uh, uh, strike in Syria had killed children. But last month ISIS had bombed a, a bus with 69 children on it. Syrian Arab Muslim children. It's nonsense. It's this notion that
1: it's in the name of God. And I think that's the danger. Because in the name of God, anything can be done.
0: He was my Bond, and actually the first time I went to the cinema was to see Moonraker.
1: He was amazing. He could hold you in the palm of his hand and talk about whatever it was he chose. He could be asked a question, but he would answer what he wanted and change the whole direction of that interview. Back Chat with
2: Maria McCann. Good morning and you're welcome into this week's edition of Back Chat. Sorry for the no-show last week, but as you can hear from my voice, I had no voice at all last week, so it would have been a little bit one-sided maybe with the guests just chatting away amongst themselves. I know some of you would think that wouldn't be a bad thing, but anyway, I have two guests with me. I have Mark Power with me and I have Rita Lacey with me, and thank you very much for coming in. We missed the summer.
1: Well, we miss it today. We hadn't missed it. I, I think until we until it came back and we mm-hmm. realised, oh, look at this is what sun looks like and feels like, and it's amazing. You opened the front door and everybody was smiling. Mm-hmm. The sky was blue. Everybody's dreams had come true. And it takes so little, really, at the end of the day. And I went in to buy it in a tin of paint and there were people actually buying decking.
2: <laughs> These are people of faith. <laughs> decking, barbecues, um, doing all kinds of DIY, um, get your summer clothes out, burn to a crisp, have ice cream. Oh, we cram everything into the first bit of sun that we see, don't we,
0: Mark? What I find amazing about, about uh, how we react to the sun is that when we get a day of sun, or two days of sun, By the end of the second day, we think this is the way life has always been. You know, it's like, it's like we're kind of like going, yeah, yeah, you know, you chuck out the winter clothes, we get the barbecue and you go like, you know, like we know the rain is around the corner and yet... You know, what there is like I, I just always laugh at the resentment <laughs> we have when Ray comes back. It's like you're Irish, what do you expect? You know And it came back
2: in Spain. Oh my god, it, it came, came back with a yeah. vengeance,
0: yeah, yeah. So like look at them down there having a good time. We'll do I don't know
2: though. what it's like where you are, but in the southeast of Ireland it was milder than rain this morning, absolutely chucking it down.
1: But, but it's just it the kind of denial that we live in As you said after two days, yeah. we absolutely, mm. just absolutely believe that that we live on this costa yeah, somewhere, yeah, yeah.
2: somewhere. Yeah. Near, near the equator.
1: We're yeah. not even in Spain. We're somewhere like... Everyone's in out in their
2: garden. Everyone's having barbecues. And, and barbecues never rooms. live up to the yeah, hype of a barbecue. Barbecues are <laughs> always like a great idea. Unless you're going to a chef's house. And they're pure shit to eat
1: really. Absolutely. They're always burnt. Yeah, Barbecue sauce doesn't work.
2: And at the back of your mind you're always thinking food poisoning. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've cooked chicken.
0: But there's a couple of Polish families in, on my road and they barbecue the whole summer through, rain or shine, irrelevant. <laughs> they barbecue and they know what they're doing, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like, and I do think to myself, that is the attitude. It's like, you can't yeah. wait for the sun. Yeah. And they were just like, no, we're doing the barbecue because it's June yeah. and we don't care what June is doing. We're doing the barbecue. <laughs> Quite right. And they're then. Kind of fair yeah. to them, right?
2: Because when you think of it, if we were to wait just for the sun to do anything, we'd have a long wait and we wouldn't be prepared. No. Because of the day that the sun will come. Yeah. One day that the sun we, We're lucky this year we got two. Yeah. But the one day that the sun will come and oh, you won't be, you ready. won't, you we're won't find the summer clothes. You won't find the barbecue. You won't find the barbecue. It's summer clothes. It'll be under the cover that you bought because you Absolutely. knew it was Ireland. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I'm not a barbecue fan.
1: No, I'm not actually, really, because I I love savoury foods and I love them done nicely and I like sauces. You cannot
2: get a good sauce on a barbecue. It's always burnt. It just doesn't work, really. And also, I don't like eating outside, unless I have a table. That's fine. But if you're sitting perched on somebody's little garden wall that they're very proud of and you have a plate in one hand and a glass in another hand... And it's just not, I don't like it. We're not quite
1: certain, I don't, I don't think. Well, I, I, I,
0: for me, I love eating outside. Mm. And, and again, that's a, you know, that's, I first did that living in another country because mm. that's where you can do it. Mm. And I, I was only living in Holland, but even Holland, like, <laughs> it rains so much less. you go like, this is Northern Europe. We really, we really get screwed, yeah. you know. Yeah. But eating outside is a big thing over there, of course. And, but I agree with you, Maria, I think eating outside is great. With a table. Yeah. I can't be yeah. doing with with standing around with a plate. No. That's I can't it. be doing with it. you only have two It's, a, to it's hands. a paper plate. So it doesn't even behave itself. No. It's, and and you're there like, you know, like and, a beggar with you know, your food in then, your hand. Yeah. And then you, if you have a, a drink in the other hand, you're actually mm. going to starve. Yeah. Because, no. don't like it. You know, I, I don't like that. But a table, great. You know. And a chair. You know.
2: And also, on the off chance that the food is nice. Mm-hmm. Mm. You look like a pig if you keep going up for loads of seconds and everything. So you have to be mindful of, I can't go up for any more now. I've had two bits of that lovely chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> but there's <laughs> always
1: somebody who fancies himself as the barbie chef. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And they're always the ones who fan- who fancies themselves at everything. Mm. And I love it. With the, the apron brush, and the yeah, tongs and the, whole lot. And
2: the yes. little paintbrush. But <laughs> then what do you call that thing? Marinade. Yeah. All yeah, of yeah. that.
0: Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. you. are looking
2: kind them. of sheepish there,
0: No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's I know. I know. It's true. No, I was. Of those? No, God, I'm not. But I was given a. I was <laughs> given a. I was actually was thrown onto my lap this week uh, a, a barbecue book for my wife, and she said, "That's your job this summer." So, uh, <laughs> so apparently I'm going to be. So, if, if, if you hear about a family in Ferrybank being poisoned, that's me. <laughs> but um, but no, it's absolutely true. I think that 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 uh, like anything else, the people are really good about this at, at this stuff, or the people who don't make a big deal about it. Yeah, you're right. Or the people and, that put it, you know, it in the
2: oven and bring it out to the garden, then if you want to eat outside, yeah. Oh, look, it, I don't care what sheet you're outside. using,
0: as so long as the final product works. You know,
2: Yeah. <laughs> <fine>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it it has been a good week weather-wise, but I think it's been quite a somber week in other ways um, because we had that awful tragedy uh, in Manchester. And it struck me when I was driving in this morning. It struck me that back in the day, like when I used to go to a concert, I remember like my first big concert. Mm. The worst thing I had to think about was, would I be behind a pillar? Would the sound not be bad? You know, would I not get in for some reason? Have I got my ticket? There were trivial, trivial problems. Mm. And when you think now what the the children... And I think a lot of you have small children, Mark. Like They're very much aware, I think, of what's going on in the world, no matter how much you try to protect them. How do you even explain things like that
0: to them. Well, funnily enough, there was an article in the paper this week, uh, I think it was in The Independent, about how you talk to your children about this kind of thing. And um, and I read it because it was, I read it after I'd had that conversation with my oldest boy, because my general attitude is to turn the news off, I don't let them, you know, I, I like they, they're aware of there's stuff going on in Syria mm. because they, they talk about mm. it in school and I explain a little bit of it to them, but the level of brutality, the ferocity of these people, my kids don't know about. Um, But my oldest son, he heard it in the playground and came back and asked me about it. And uh, it's very, very difficult because Mm. he cannot understand how children can be targeted. And I can't explain that to him. And, um, you know, I know that there are people out there in in the world who who do things like that, and he doesn't understand that, that that should be the case. Um, and you kind of explained it a little bit. Uh, one of the things that I'd said to him actually was that like, look, you know, the guy who did this is really, really just a horrible person. Uh, but I said, um, the taxi drivers in Manchester worked the night through for free to get people home. I said that, that houses were opened up uh, for, for people who, who, couldn't, who had nowhere to go. I said you had emergency workers who went there not knowing what was going to happen, but they went there to do their job. And I said to him, that's that's what people are. That's 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 who it we brings are, out the know? best in, in and, um, people. But 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 you know, the, the question comes up: Am I safe? Are we yeah, safe? It's you know? A And you tell them uh, that's when you tell them things that you hope are true, but you know you can't prove. Which is, I keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Ireland is safe. You know, I don't know if Ireland is safe. Uh, I don't necessarily think that it is, because I don't think that there is, you know, there is a a belief that this stuff is somehow political. I think it's gone beyond that. It's Mm. gone to this this kind of nihilistic uh, uh, thing, which is just about killing. And uh, and of course, we're going to France this summer. He says, is France safe? And I said, yeah, you know, and what can you do? You know, mm. I can't tell him about the Bataclan. And I didn't, but it's um, it's awful, like you know, because you're trying to reassure, you're trying to mm. kind of maintain this idea that there is a, mora- a morality in the world, that um, that 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 we're all part of, and that that for the most part we are we are all part of, which is true. But there are people out there like that, and you're trying to tell them that you will keep them safe from it. But you know, I'm no different from the parents who brought those kids to the Manchester Arena, who, who I'm sure did everything they could to keep their children safe, and in the blink of an eye, that they're gone.
1: Yeah, and I think the point that you made there, Mark, you know that children know about violence. They know about war. They know about atrocities because they see it on television. And you, like, they're exposed, and that's that it. They're exposed to that. But Syria is a long way away. It's in another planet almost. Mm-hmm. It's not somewhere where mammy and daddy would take us on holidays. It's not somewhere where we're going to find ourselves and uh, ending up like like the poor, sad, hungry children like that. I hear my grandchildren talking about. But Manchester is quite a different story because Manchester is where there are heroes. Manchester is where they look at football, listen to football. Um, it's where the rivalry is with Liverpool or with Manchester City. It has such a meaning for young, for young people, boys and girls. And it's, if it can happen there, because you know, someday I'm going to go and see my, my favourite player in Manchester. Now I wonder, is it safe to do that? Is my dream shattered? My my grandson is nine. And he is a big Man United fan. And he said, I'll never get there now. Aww. And we hadn't told him, he had heard it in school. Mm. And he said, I'll never get to Manchester. Because we were there two years ago, but obviously it was just around Trafford and Old Trafford and that. And it's just that idea that you see, we seem to spend our lifetimes, I know as a grandmother now, trying to protect them because I see all the dangers that my mother saw that I didn't see mm. and so on. But even about not talking to strangers, he's on Xbox, about being online. Everything is a threat almost to them, to their safety. And how to give them the, the expectation of a normal life, being able to go out and play, being able to play tag with our friends, and do all of that, and yet that there's this horror just looming around them that can happen because it, it happened. He said, and she was only eight, nanny. She she's she's nearly as as young as Layla. You know, and these are these aren't children. They can have you know they work in
2: school and send money to help them yeah. because mm-hmm. they're refugees. These are children. Teenagers who were going to see Ariana Grande in concert yeah. perfect night out you know and they just never came home
1: yeah and funny thing we sponsored a little girl through World Vision uh, in Africa and we get photographs and, what I, and I show them and they say she our half sister she our half grand sister they're trying to work out the relationship you know and um, and funny he said the other night in a strange kind of way oh Danny we only managed to save one Oh. You know, and I don't know where it came from, but it must be so big.
2: Because you don't and when you're when
1: you're that young, age. you don't
2: have the capacity no. to deal with the hugeness of what's happened. No, and, and they it's happening to in the, the world.
1: To to understand an argument between mummy and daddy.
2: And when we were all growing up, our mums and dads kept us safe. We were absolutely full sure of it. There was nothing mm. in the world that our parents could protect us from. Nothing. Yeah now they must have doubts because if they if they hear something different in the playground mm-hmm. if they read yeah. something themselves they have access to so many and the pressures that that must bring yeah. and no wonder all the kids are anxious these days like yeah. because they just they just end up being little balls of worry because yeah. every, they have access to everything that we wouldn't have had
1: they have but everything is competitive every game they play on on xbox or Whatever I noticed that that oh Bobby got so many stars now I must when I go tomorrow I must tell him I got everything now whether it's it's him I don't know but it seems to be that the pressure yeah. even even to enjoy yourself you have to enjoy yourself more than
2: somebody else and this bloke was British born yeah
0: he was he was uh, British born the um, I mean some of the background is I mean it is quite disturbing uh, his his he. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's hard even to talk about him because he's, just, he's not worth the, the, the breath, but he, um, his father had, was given asylum in Britain. This country saved his life. He wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Britain, uh, and his, but his father, unfortunately, was a, a, an extremist. And I think that if I was British, I'd be wondering why we're given asylum to. Now, I know it's 25 years ago, so the context yeah. has changed. But, uh, you know, when you think about the people who are being refused um, uh, asylum, and I felt like this gets it. But he was brought up in this country, which um, gave him uh, life to begin with, because his father probably would have been killed. He wouldn't have existed. Um, it gave him its education, et cetera, and um And he attacked it. And I think that's, of course, the story throughout Europe uh, in Europe in France, uh, in Belgium as well, that these are people who are born within our, our borders. And um, how you deal with that, I don't know, you know, because...
2: Surely if you're, if the police know about you and they know about you because you are become radicalised in some mm. way or you're just on their radar for some way, they need to do more than just look at you at this stage.
1: But I wonder what is it that they can do, Marie? I mean, the fact that you have They could deport com- you. But if you haven't committed a crime... There are so many laws, Maria. I mean, you would be violating the. But that's my permit. point. Like, there's, yes. you know, all the I protection
2: know. seems to be with the people who are potential wrongdoers.
1: Well, it's it's meant to protect us all, but unfortunately, in a in a, in a catchment area, everybody falls into it. But if you deport somebody m- merely because you know or you suspect they're being radicalized. I mean, you're going to have all of the Google out, You're going to have the Geneva Convention straight away, saying you're breaking you're breaking that rule. But no for that, that.
0: But also, that also this guy can't be deported. He's British. He's British. And the yeah, fellows yeah. who carried out the attacks in France were French. Do you so remember they, the, they bloke can't be
2: the, deported, the bloke you know? with the hook hand in in? Uh, Alhamza, yeah, yeah, yeah. They ca- they cannot deport
0: that guy. Well, he was he was deported eventually, but it took years to get him deported. But why uh, would it take years deported. to get somebody who was spouting um, such hatred? But it's it's um, I I do think that look. This is all very complicated and I kind of, I don't want to kind of sped off stuff I don't know about, but you know, a lot of these people um, have been embedded uh, uh, in countries like Britain long before we were aware of what a pr- how much of a problem this is. Mm. Uh, there is a debate about you know, how much, you know, the West is responsible for this kind of stuff, I have to say it's not really, uh, There's it's a debate that needs to be had, but I, as I said earlier, I think that this is pu- pushed into a kind of a, a nihilistic thing, which is just about violence for me anyway. But 25 years ago, Western agencies were happy to support people who are fighting against dictators they didn't like. And that's what this guy's father would have been. So mm. back then Gaddafi was an enemy and he didn't like Gaddafi. So we'll help him out. And the the, the, the problem with the Islamic extremism was not taken as seriously 25 years ago. That's not the case now. I think that the the, the public in, in, in Europe is screaming out saying, look, we actually don't care about the dictators now. Like, you know, we're being told, yeah. to say, for example, about Iran, access of evilness kind of stuff. A lot of people in the West think, Do you know what? I don't actually care about Iran. You know mm. what I care about are, are, is, is is this radicalisation, which is actually not even a Middle Eastern problem anymore; it's a European problem. Mm. And I must add, like I feel nothing, only sympathy for you know. And it has to be said, the vast majority of Muslims, many of whom reported oh, this guy, yeah. many of whom reported mm. this guy to begin with, mm. um, and you know, some of those people on the on the extreme right are saying, you know, are, are really kind of pushing for, or hinting at, without necessarily saying it, that there should be some sort of collective punishment. For Muslims, which is first of all immoral and Mm -hmm. second of all Mm -hmm. completely counterproductive, Mm -hmm. um, you know, criminalizing people who are law-abiding citizens. But um, but how we unravel this issue uh, of um, of a certain cohort of young men who uh, who look to this kind of ideology to give themselves some sort of identity. To uh, the placates a, a deep sense of narcissism, I think. These guys are, you know, this is, you know, look at me, aren't I great? Um, you know, I, I, I don't understand if these guys are suicidal, why don't you just kill themselves and leave the rest of us alone. But mm-hmm. there is a sense of, of narcissism mm-hmm. there. I don't really understand how we unpack it. It's, it's, it's really, really but Don't you worrying. have to be
2: stricter with what you allow in a country? And th- any time you say anything like this, everybody goes, oh, racist, racist. But if things aren't acceptable to you as a country... Yeah, why think, allow it, yeah. Why allow people from other countries to come in and say if if you're if you wife if you insist that your wife walks three faces behind you dressed in a shroud, Mark? Mm-hmm. Like, what the hell have you come to a, a Western country where where we can you know we can show our legs, we can show our yes, arms? Yeah, you know that that kind of thing has to be
0: that, put a stop to. Yeah, that's an issue. But then on the other hand, if you're if you're uh, uh, you know if you're if you bring in legislation as, as as you know to a certain extent they've done a little, done this a little bit in France um, and they're toying around with it in Belgium but ultimately what you're doing is um, and, uh, you know you need to take a practical approach as well what you're doing is you're criminalizing people who actually aren't doing anything what you're doing is you're creating further divide between people as a as a liberal mm-hmm. I think if you want you should be allowed to dress the way you want to dress Um I think if you're being forced to dress that way that's a problem. Well, that see, how do we stopped. know? Because no one's allowed, allowed I don't, to ask. But anything. I don't. I don't really think that that probably is the case. It, 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 for or you for think wives. Sharia law is but, a good thing, But like. but, uh, but but you know, it, it 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 is clearly a problem in some with some teenage girls in in who who are who, whose parents are not integrated and they mm. are integrated. But that's part of a much broader cultural issue, which is. Uh, but connected it's surely in some part of the way problem, to, right to, to, to extremism. But uh, how you again how you want to pick all that stuff, Jesus, I don't know.
1: But how far back do you have to go to do that? I mean, when people come in to a host country, the laws of the land are quite clear and they exist and they exist for everybody. I, I think first of all, with the likes of uh, England, France and countries that went out and colonised. Mm-hmm. They brought back yeah. that that issue in the very first place. Mm-hmm. And that's completely different from the refugee situation today. And that's where the confusion is. You have people who are fleeing genuine wars and atrocities and we're lumping. And because they have the same religion, we are lumping them all into 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 the, the same story. Mm-hmm. Now, the likes of uh, people who are British and French, and they're saying that this is coming out of the fact that they have been marginalized. They were, as as Mark said, given all of the same chances, given education, given a place to live. Now, how they dealt with that is a completely different story. But they were brought up in their own culture where there wasn't that interculturalism, hmm. where the integration didn't take place. It was kind of an assimilation. And so they still remained, you know, to be their own country within their own country, but in a different place. Extremism, on the other hand, has no grace No, and there's radical Christians either, and we're not all expected to go, oh, mea culpa, I'm so sorry.
2: Absolutely, it exists. We're not talking here about normal Muslims who are normal people. It has
1: no rationale. But I think the other issue is that it's this notion that it's in the name of God. And I think that's the danger, because in the name of God, anything can be done and anything uh, but why doesn't your
2: common sense tell you if your God is telling you to go out and kill people there's something wrong with your God Yes, but
1: if you have been educated to believe that that is the kind of God who is an eye for an eye and unless you behave or practice this particular religion then you don't deserve to live that you must be annihilated
0: But I, I think that um, uh, the, 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 the the way in which people choose to, to, to read a particular religion is is, is clearly part of this there's a whole range of issues, you know. Colonialism is part of the mix mm. as well, but how it's part of the mix, I don't really know. You know, mm. it's it's very difficult. An example that often strikes me is people talk about Western interference, and I think that as a history teacher, I think that if, if any part of the world has a uh, has a has a has a grievance, I think that uh, Latin America and the uh, interference that the US did in Latin America, I think, it was is pretty, almost entirely unjustified. Yet there are no mm. Chilean yeah. terrorists, you know. And if somebody from Chile or somebody from Mexico lives in America, they kind of go, "Yeah, great, but in America, you yeah. know, there's no, there's no issue there." And I think so. That that's not all part of the story, but I do think, and again, this maybe is a hobby horse for me, and it, it comes from uh, it comes from two things. It comes from being a history guy, and it comes from growing up in Ireland in the 80s. Uh, I have a deep, deep suspicion of nationalism, which is uh, wrapping yourself up in the flag and hating somebody else. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with loving where you're from? I think that's a great thing. But nationalism, as that you know, Donald Trump. In his in his inauguration address, talked about patriotism, which I think is a nice word, but what he was actually what he actually is is a nationalist. He's somebody who defines himself uh, as disliking the others, which is um, which is not to me love of country at all. I think that a lot of this is about nationalism. It's, it's it's kind of and some people talk about it in this way. It's kind of Islamic nationalism or Arab nationalism, and it comes from a sort of a a resentment uh, of the West of the West's power, both in terms of military and West power in terms of culture as well. Uh, and and it's a striking out at that, and it's a okay. We don't have aircraft carriers, but we're prepared to kill children, uh, and and that's that's what we have that you don't have. I know. I mean, Western bomb strikes kill children too. Yeah. But um. But uh, you know, the difference, if you want to call it a difference, is that but they they're are not targeted. they 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 target the children. Yeah. I mean, w- one of the things apparently that this guy's sister said was that he was upset that uh, that uh, the recent uh, uh, strike in Syria had killed children. But last month, ISIS had bombed a, a bus with sixty nine children on it. Mm-hmm. Syrian Arab Muslim children. It's nonsense, you know. So uh, I I think that it's 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 about. It's certainly the religious factor is there, of course it is, but it's also about a kind of a nationalism and a kind of a a them and us. I was uh, interviewing Sean Kelly, the uh, Unite um, uh, 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 official about the documentary that I'm making about the Spanish Civil War. And I was saying to him that I was shocked at the sympathy that there was in Ireland uh, for the fascist cause in the 30s. And, and he said something, uh, which will be in the documentary, which I just thought was very insightful, which was it was them and us. And as far as they were concerned, as far as they are concerned, their side were winning. And it's I think for a lot of these people, it's simply them and us. And uh, and as I said, we don't have an aircraft carrier, but we'll, we'll kill your children.
2: So does multiculturalism not work then, unless everybody kind of is, has no. an anodyne version of their
0: culture? Sorry, but I, 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 I see this all the time and I, 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 I couldn't disagree more with mm. this idea that multiculturalism doesn't work i mean you show me a city anywhere in the world where everyone looks the same and i'll show you a dump you know we mm. we we, we needed we, we like <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 from personal perspective when i got off the train in amsterdam 20 whatever years 1994 to study in amsterdam i got off the train lived in waterford all my life and then go away got off the train in amsterdam and there was fellas juggling and there was drums and there was bikes and there was trams and there was people from every, and there was fellas with no clothes on for some reason that i'd never questioned it's like hey, it's amsterdam and there was people from all over the world and it was noisy and it was busy and it was absolutely brilliant and i remember thinking to myself not oh my god where am i i remember thinking to myself this is where i'm supposed to be this mm-hmm. is where i always wanted to be and i feel london is the same uh, and ireland is getting like that now i have kids in my class i had a kid in my class from transylvania how brilliant is that you know, <laughs> I had a kid in my class from uh, you know, his dad is Sicilian. I have kids from uh, kids from Congo, kids from Somalia and they're all great and it, it it it's a great benefit. And you know, there is a problem here and there's no point in saying that there isn't. But multiculturalism, is, uh, from a say UK perspective, also includes all the Irish went over to Britain, the Jews who went to Britain, uh, the Chinese who went to Britain, the Sikhs who went to Britain, the South Asians who went to Britain. So uh, they seem what, to have
2: a particular problem, what, and that that's almost enforced multiculturalism. What you're talking about is is like organic, like you yeah, know your yes, neighbours yeah, and your yeah, yeah, school friends, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. But if you have a whole clique of of Sikhs a whole clique of somebody and they're all living in their individual mm-hmm. yeah. cultures yes. yeah. that's multiculturalism like under a title but in actual fact in practicality it's not because they're only mixing with each other and they're suspicious mm-hmm. of the other cultures that they're a, supposed to be it, with it, it,
0: it, that can happen and that's a problem but on the other side uh, you go to a school playground and it, people mixed together cares, and stuff yeah. nobody cares so mm. you know i think generally speaking i think that um that the, the idea of of uh, people mixing together is a very old thing it's mm. it goes back to the first cities and it's not new and i, I i'm personally I'm and the, yeah, you
2: have it. to yeah. know people like you have to yeah. get to know people Yeah. You know, before you, have, you decide you, that you, whether yeah, you like them or it not. It is
1: the only way to know how the other side of the world works or mm. how the rest of the world works mm. because we are so insular. But going back again, just to tip on that uh, colonialism thing, I think, and, and I don't have any evidence, but it seems that there's a kind of a resentment about being there rather than those who choose to come here you know, for a different life. And it seems to be, and I remember, do, you, do we remember Enoch Powell? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who said the very same?
0: Who's was a very intelligent man? A
1: very intelligent man, and almost um, made a pro- I suppose it's prophetic now, you know, uh, in the sense that it would come back uh, to bite them, and that it had to be stopped. But I mean, how can you stop it? Then it's like mm. it's like closing the, the the gate after the horse has
2: bolted. We're not going to solve it today, but it's when you try. Well, and I, think to the divi- I think there is a clear divide. I think there is a clear
1: difference between multi- multiculturalism and. Uh, the lack of integration, you know, that kind of assimilation that Mm -hmm. happens in communities where they don't actually become part of the community and where communities stay together in in their own
2: little cells. 25 years they don't even speak English. Yeah, and this is what creates ghettos, you know, when these little
1: communities stay together and live among themselves and continue to speak their own languages. And I can understand maybe first generations of those people, I can understand. Mm. But outside of that, when children start to go to school, and start to mix, and I think that's where a lot more needs to be done to make sure that that integration happens seamlessly. It's not happening,
2: and I, I feel sorry you mentioned, you touched on it there, Mark, for like young girls in in those families that might be very conservative mm-hmm. might have very specific views on what women are supposed to do yet they've been reared in in britain or even the reared here, society, I know, yeah. and they have expectations of a different life but yet they're being pulled back into being sent off to you know like marry somebody that they mm-hmm. don't even know and that, that, there must be a horrible fear if you're in that kind of a family that, who are you? How do you live your life? How do, I mean, what sort of a path am I supposed to take? And Am I supposed to obey my parents? Am I supposed to go with my heart and my new country? And you're, you don't really get to choose that.
1: Well, isn't that exactly what we're saying, that the, the, the divide is actually never never crossed? They may be educated in in Western ways, but actually, I suppose
2: maybe they don't have a choice but to mm. follow the rule. That kind of knocks multiculturalism on the head, though, because In that it's not a nice but that's, melting but that's, pot, that, that's, that's it's not just the
0: different cultures. It's, it, but it's, it's, it's not the situation for everyone. But it's, and, and then, you know, when you talk about uh, communities not mixing, there's, there, it's there are ways in which that can be quite a nice thing. You can go to you know the Bangladeshi part mm-hmm. of the town and have the the, the 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 curries there or whatever, and that's fine. But absolutely, it's it's mm-hmm. Terry Wogan. I remember years ago uh, reading an article about this, and he spoke about this about about, um, about being Irish, and that he he wrote this article saying, "I raise my children to be Londoners and to be British because that's what they are. Yeah. That's what their accent is." I decided to move here. I decided to make my life here. And mm-hmm. my, this is the place my children are from. I'm always, I'll always mm-hmm. be Irish, he said. But my children are British and I've raised them to be British. And I thought, he's right. He's absolutely mm-hmm. right. If you don't want your kids to be British, go back home.
2: Yeah, that's, was, that's my point. Yeah. You know,
0: and I think, but, but at the same time, as he said in the, in the article as well, obviously, you know, they, we, we, we go home and they know about Ireland, they, you know, mm. they, 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 they have Irish culture around and, you know, he was a big fan of all the Irish writers, and they have all that. There's no reason why you can't have both anyhow. But, but, if, but if you it's, come it's, to a, diff- a country that's
2: significantly different yeah. culturally to where you've yeah. come from and you don't allow your children to fully immerse mm. in that country, mm. yeah. you should have thought twice about yes. where no, you move yeah. to I do agree. with yeah. your but children. Just, it,
1: it, and again, it, it, it goes back to the agenda for coming there in the first place. Mm. Um, and taking up your point there about different communities. I mean, you have Chinatown in, mm. in most European cities in New York, yeah. whatever you have yeah. Soho, mm. and th- it, they're communities, but they're not communities that have isolated themselves. Yeah, mm. no, people mm. are. But welcome. there are communities, and you have these mm. cells, and we have them in the city here. Mm. And you see them, and they are regarded as taboo, and it shouldn't be that way. Mm. But there, there isn't anything that's being done to bring them, you know, into into the wider communities
0: yeah there's a lot of pressure on the schools to do that mm. and um and, and again the the like you were talking about organic uh integration uh Maria, and, that, and that's where it'll happen yeah in where the they get to know each other and uh where, where people uh, uh get to one un- get get to know one another but um but uh but it's it's yeah i mean it, it's it's the schools are aware of that teachers are aware of it but it's uh y- you are kind of hoping that this happens organically and sometimes it doesn't you know? yeah, yeah. And sometimes you, know.
2: you do have to put and they have to in. have the resources yeah. to be able to do yeah. it too because that's yeah. not fair either it's just expecting
0: well, schools the, to be everything most of the resources you know? is, is the, the common sense and a teacher hopefully and, and <laughs> the students you know that's, that's, that's mainly what and it is the but, fact that kids but are but
2: colour blind yeah. religion blind Absolutely. Race but blind. a lot of
1: the urban myths and stories that came out of when they arrived first and the money they were getting and oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. All yeah. All yeah. that didn't help yeah. no, and that no. was in the very beginning and that doesn't go away and that suspicion stays there and that suspicion gives fuel to that xenophobia and that's where the difficulties remain It's very and the perception hard. that we uh, can't of course, look after our own and if you have people here who are resentful anyway, who are resentful of everybody, even their own I mean this just gives them an added
2: group Let's turn to another subject Roger Moore, now Roger Moore died uh, this week at the 89, 89. I think 89, he was yeah. um, longest serving bond, one of my favourite bonds I have yeah. to say Uh, He was a real character, wasn't he, Mark?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean like, I I, I grew up and he was my Bond and uh, uh, actually the first time I went to the cinema was to see Moonraker. You were talking about, about about values and cultural values and stuff, I think that Roger Moore to me represents everything that I like about the English, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he's uh, you yeah. know, very, very well spoken, sophisticated, well dressed and utterly and completely self-deprecating. I mean, the, you couldn't, it didn't matter what you said about him, he, he said about himself first yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, which is just completely lovable and charming. It, it, it's funny, you know. I was only talking to my wife about this the other day. Uh, my kids like James Bond, and uh, my oldest fellow, you know, the, the Daniel Craig James Bond. In terms of the action in the set mm-hmm. pieces, they're kind of streets ahead of of, of the older ones. Younger, my oldest fella uh, is quite a fan of Sean Connery as well. And uh, but what's funny is that you know that the the Daniel Craig ones are twelves, you know, because mm. they're they're a bit more violent. Mm. And i kind of I'm a okay, with my son's watching that. But then the PG Roger Moore ones, I'm kind of going, just a bit saucy now. Like, you know what I mean? It's like I, like really, is that what she's wearing? You know, really. And um, and I find that kind of uh, you, you know, I mean, it, it's there, there was an element of carry on a 007 with with with, with those films, mm. but um, but God, he was so he was charming, and you know. Uh, there, I was only thinking about this when I was coming in here as well I, I did a degree in them in film studies and I remember I was quite interested in this idea about film actors and he said that he wasn't really a, that great an actor and he wasn't a character actor mm. he couldn't really be much m- much much else other than Roger Moore but then you see there's, there's worked on this by, by kind of you know n- nerdy film sc- scholar people he's a star so yeah he's being Roger Moore but that's what you want yeah. he's that character mm. like maybe Cary Grant was like he just he went on and he was that character that you knew it was a real was a
2: real blend of a character and an actor mm. yeah, yeah. it was like you know,
0: he kind of you know, he, he, he had one game but he, it was a good game and he brought it to, to, to the performances and uh, he was terrific and of course you saw him on talk shows afterwards he was the same fella yeah. he was exactly yeah. the same fella he was a great guy he was yeah. great Yeah, yeah. You
2: could just do an hour yeah. with
1: him yeah. by himself two yeah. hours with him were you a fan of his oh yeah I'm, I I remember him in The Saint and I was sort of at the end of, um, oh, what's his name, the first James Bond? Sean, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Yeah, and I loved his voice. And I wondered how Roger Moore would, would actually become mm-hmm. that because like, they were so unlike. But he was so suave. He literally just slipped in.
2: But he got some criticism for not taking Bond quite seriously enough,
1: didn't he? But I think he, but he, made, he made a different kind of Bond. Yeah. He was charming. He was sexy. I mean, ask anyone. He was a very he, good-looking guy. He, he had a body, body of a god. Guy. I mean, if God made, if Carver yeah. made bodies, he was very, mm. very he was handsome. It. Mm. He was very handsome. He was witty. He was intelligent. He was charming. He had it all, really. And I think uh, if if it, if it, if it was the the one thing that I suppose let him down was the, the length of time he was James Bond. That that's how he was characterised. Mm. But he was so much more than that, like the talk shows. Yes. Yeah. yeah, He was amazing. He could hold you in the palm of his hand and talk about whatever it was he chose. Yeah. He could be asked a question, but he would answer what he wanted and change the whole direction of that interview.
2: Did you hear the story during the week about the little boy? I don't know who it was, oh, who got his it was his absolutely autograph. adorable. Brilliant. I told
0: my sons that and they were just beaming from ear to ear. I just and of course because it, it, being a dad, I kind of I'll I'll cry at anything nowadays. And, <laughs> you know, fifteen years yeah. ago I didn't cry that, but uh, I mean it was tears in my eyes reading it. I just thought it was the most wonderful, wonderful thing. It was a gorgeous story. Who
2: was
0: about, it? I can't remember. Was it? Um, I, I can't. I, there was a name given. I can't remember what it was. But the story was that he had met Roger Moore when mm. he was seven, and then and and then the story is taken up then when he's thirty. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the 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 autograph was supposed to be signed, and and, and it. But the kid was disappointed. It wasn't. Yeah, he was, it was crestfallen. Just, Did you? It this no, I didn't.
2: Um, the kid was crestfallen gosh. because he signed his name Roger Moore, and this he becomes someone like, Well, oh, he's like he's James Bond, like, why did he sign this? So, <laughs> um, th- I think the father had a quite his, word his grandfather with him. didn't yeah. know
0: who he was, and his grandfather went up and said, Might, listen, he says you're James Bond, and he realized what happened, and he goes up to the kid and he says, uh, he leans into him, and he said. Listen, he said I couldn't sign the James Bond because Blofeld's people could be around, and uh, so I always signed my name Roger Moore. And he was absolutely delighted. The kid was delighted. And then the amazing thing was that twenty odd years later, yeah. he was working for UNICEF, and he he uh, he meets him again, tells Roger Moore the mm. story. Roger Moore says he did, well he didn't remember, but he was delighted. He was so happy, and that was all fine. And then he was, he was walking out. Roger Moore walks up to him and says, <laughs> and says, "Listen, he said I do remember the story, but those cameramen could be working for Blofeld." <laughs> I just thought, what a legend, what a legend, you know, I mean, it's, fantastic. Yeah. it's like, you know, so honestly when people criticise his acting, I think I couldn't care less, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. this guy is an absolute classic. He, he was a he was star, a he, star. he and really was a star, but that's, that's yeah. exactly yeah. it, he yeah. was a star, yeah. he, he, as he as had that star he didn't, quality, he didn't embody other characters, mm. yeah. he was the character that he was, mm. And uh, but, but he wasn't wooden on the screen, that's yeah. what a bad actor is, did you see the man who haunted himself? I've never seen that. That's apparently his best film, or what well, he said it was his It's
2: best kind film. of a bit ropey. When you look at it now, because I think it was made in the 70s mm-hmm. or something, but when you look at it, it's a bit ropey, but it's he kind of becomes like a split personality at a, in a road crash. Um, so there's one version of him, and then there's another version of him, and he goes home to see the new version of him, you mm-hmm. know, whining and dining his yeah. wife, and nobody believes that he's the real him, and is he the real him? And he just has to play the two characters. Um, it's in- interesting to look at, but I'm not sure whether because it was so different from Bond whether I would call it his best work you mm, know yeah. I would say yeah. it, would, it would have been a challenge for him yeah. I'm sure
0: mm-hmm. but and despite <laughs> I love me it best yeah. film for me like you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know it's, that's, that's the one but we kind of
1: judged it on the best Bond movies rather than you know yeah. rather than the, the best acting or the best story like which, and his autobiography
2: is. my word is my bond yeah my yeah. <laughs> yeah. that was just brilliant
0: but I, I did hear something about him years ago now this is my father told me this so you know anything my, my dad said God be good to him that's come with a of pinch of salt but uh, maybe somebody listening might know this but my dad said that he knew a fella who worked at the Dorchester in the 60s and Philip uh, of from Orford. And uh, and he had spoke, told him about it. It was the you know golden age of you know all the British actors, and they were all famously mm. drinkers. You yeah. know, like mm. Peter O'Toole and Oliver Reed and and uh, Richard Burton and all these guys, and, and they were all famously badly behaved and famously drunk. But this Bad chap. Choice. This chap said. Now again, this is just in like, the second hand, but it's, I I love the idea. But this chap said. Roger Moore used to come in as well. He said Roger Moore could drink more than any of them. But he would always stand up and walk out in a straight line. <laughs> he said that, that's the only difference. And and he was absolutely completely courteous to everybody, all the staff, mm. always always a lovely guy. There was on this kind of being drunk and out for Roger Moore, which you could have you knew you knew that anyway. Yeah, you know? yeah. But he said he could put away more than any of them. <laughs> Just, that was great.
2: Uh, he was he was a true star, I think. And I think somebody like him is always aware that they're a star. I think that's yes. why he would have been like mm-hmm. that in public the whole yeah. time, because he wouldn't want to disappoint people who had yeah. a perception but I think of him. But a
1: lot of it, Maria, I think was naturally him Yeah. anyway. Mm-hmm. And he would not have offended people, mm. regardless of whether he was a star or not. Some mm-hmm. people just have that, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, that, that, that quality. And it shone, it really shone uh, through everything he did. He said he was Roger Moore.
2: Mm.
0: But it's he, interesting as well that, that you know in the current kind of debate about British actors and so many of them are, are kind of eaten educated and uh, those guys that I mentioned from the 60s famously were all kind of from working class backgrounds, mm-hmm. And of course, Roger Moore was as well. He was from South London. His dad yeah. was a police officer. He wasn't. He went to a grammar school. He wasn't from that kind of well-off uh, yeah. uh, family. and And he took a long time to become successful, like he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, hot off the off the press at the age of twenty. He did the rounds. He put the years in, mm. and um and uh, and television really was a, was a kind of. Making, it was, he was Ivanhoe oh yeah. on television. He was Ivanhoe. He was um. Tip. He was well as as you saint, mentioned. He yeah, was he was the saint. The saint yeah. uh, and, the and the Saint was, was James uh, Bond, really. It was yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah. And, yeah. The, the, and the persuaders was more or less this is how I'm going to play Bond. You know, yeah. when and, Bond uh, retires, like this is what I love. Although I again just reading up on 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 the way in here, apparently. um Tony Curtis was you know, uh, going through his own problems at the time, uh, no. he was not necessarily the easiest man to work with, but apparently Roger Moore would always hang around to make sure that he was there for the whole shoot, that, that Tony Curtis, like when, when his bits were gone, he was gone. Yeah, yeah. And Roger Moore wasn't like that. And I just kind of thought, of course he was. was
2: oh, Class act. Like, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Back chat with Maria McCann.
2: This week's featured panellists were Rita Lacey and Mark Power. If you've enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more, just search for Backchat with Maria McCann wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. There's a new episode available around 7pm every Sunday evening, and so you don't miss anything, please like the Facebook page. That's Backchat with Maria McCann.
0: And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> Alright, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive.
2: Can I take these off? Alright. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's what mate. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days.
1: See store for details and terms and conditions.